introduce myself. I'm Pastor Ben's father. And uh, how many think he's doing a good job? You think he's doing a good job? Isn't that great? I mean, I sit on the front row every, every Sunday and am amazed. Uh, I've been a student of the Word for many, many years. And uh, I, I, I sit there and get fed. I mean, I really, really am amazed at what the Lord does. How many think the church is in good hands for the next 30, 40 years, something like that? Uh, my mother uh, was a minister of the gospel also, and uh, their last five, six years of their life, we moved them down here and took care of them, and, and she used to preach for me at times, and one Wednesday uh, night, uh, uh, she had dementia and, and uh, later years, some things that transpired, and I'll never forget because uh, I had her teach on a Wednesday night, and uh, when you put her in the Word of God, she took off, but the only problem was she started her sermon over again. So I walked up and said, why don't you pray for people? I, yeah, I thought it was a good idea. Let's pray for people. Uh, so the years have gone by a few years. I'm 65 now. I got my Medicare card. And uh, I laminated it. I figured it would be with me till I die. And so I did laminate it. And uh, one of the fun things uh, is that I just enjoy and I go with it. All the old things, old age happens. An older singer one time was asked to go do a, uh, a funeral service for a homeless man. Uh, they were burying in another city, and so he very graciously consented, and he drove over. The only problem was he got lost. He couldn't find, you know, the gravesite, and uh, he frantic, and for over an hour, he looked and looked and looked and could not find the gravesite. Finally, an hour late, he found it. Uh, the hearse was gone. The, the, the preacher was gone. Everybody was gone except the workers, and they were filling it back in, and so he walked out. Uh, he just felt like he needed to do something. So he walked out, he began to sing, and he just said, I just got there. My heart was so full. He said, I just began to sing Amazing Grace. He said, all the workers stopped doing what they were doing and come up beside me. He said, and the more I sang, he said, I just got so emotional. He said, I began to weep and cry. And he said, all the workers began to cry. And he said, at the end, I just said a prayer. And he said, just as I was about to turn away and walk away, one of the workers said, I've been putting septic tanks in for 30 years, and I have never, <laughs> never experienced this. <laughs> so give, give grace to older people. Everybody, all the old folks say amen, amen. Today is uh, Memorial Day, uh, the weekend. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, where we remember. And uh, I want to talk, we'll start with that. Romans 5 and verses 6 through 8. Let's begin uh, this morning. It says... When we were unable to help ourselves, uh, at the right time, Christ died for us, although we were living against God. Very few people will die to save the life of someone else, although perhaps for a good person, someone might possibly die. But God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Did you know that when you were uh, as rotten to the core as you were, the Bible says Christ died for you. And you put that in perspective of, of Memorial Day when we are honoring the soldiers that gave their lives, men and women that gave their lives uh, for us. The Bible says, and Paul wrote this, and he's captivated by this death of Jesus. If you see anything that captivated the old Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee, hard-hearted, was this concept, this idea that Jesus died, not for just good people, Jesus died for everybody. That it says perhaps someone would die for a good person. 
It'd be like this. If, if, imagine if you had that choice to make this morning and you were put on the spot whether or not you would give your life for somebody. Paul says the way it normally works is very, very few people would ever give their life for someone else. Perhaps maybe for a very good person, maybe for a loved one, maybe for a, a son, a daughter, a wife, a husband, you would lay down your life. But Paul was captivated in this that Jesus came and gave his life, not just for the good people, but for the bad people. All the bad people say amen this morning. And so he's captivated by that. And this Memorial Day, is, I want to call this sermon called, Somebody Died for Me. Everybody say that with me, would you? Say, somebody died for me. Jesus wasn't a messenger. He was the message. Amen. Let me say that again. Jesus wasn't a messenger. He was the message. And uh, John 3.16, uh, let me ask you this. Who said John 3.16? Who spoke John 3.16? It's not a trick question. Jesus spoke John 3.16. And listen what he said. God so loved the world. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him may not be lost but have eternal life. This was Jesus. And he's, he's talking to uh, Nicodemus. And he tells him, God so loved the world. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. Jesus knew exactly what that meant. He, God gave his one and only son. I love what John 15, 13 says. The greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. The greatest love that a person can ever have. All I want to do this morning is I want to, to uh, not reach your minds. I want to reach your heart. And that is that we have somebody that died for us just as real as those that gave their lives in the military. John 10 and verse 17, Jesus said, the father loves me because I give my life so that I can take it back again. No one takes it away from me. Listen, the Romans... Judas, all you name who you want to name. No one took his life from him. He gave his life willingly. I have the right to give my life. And I have the right. To, he had the right to say no. He had the right in the garden. We'll see in a minute. In the garden of Gethsemane. He had the right to say no, Father. No. He, he could have done that. He had his own will. He said, not my will. He had his own will. He could have said, no, Father, I will not do it. No, Father, I'm not willing. No, I will not lay my life down. But the Bible says, he says, no one takes it. No Roman, no Pharisee, no religious leader. I give my life freely. I have the right to give my life. I have the right to take it back. This is what my father commanded me to do. The apostle Paul was so taken by this. that in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, he says, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. He says, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. Galatians 2 and 20 says it this way. It says, I was put to death on the cross with Christ, and I do not live anymore. It is Christ who lives in me. I still live in my body, but I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself. Listen, who loved me and didn't give a universe, didn't give an angel, didn't give a galaxy. Who loved me and said with me and gave himself for me. I love this video. It's called Somebody Died for Me. Watch it. Was a troubled kid in and out of jail. When his daddy said, This is the last time I'll pay bail. So he enlisted in the army and they sent him to Iraq. He was a different man when he came back. Some people said the army must have whipped you into shape But he said that's not the reason that I've changed Somebody died for me Before I even asked for help Gave his life for me When I couldn't save myself And attach a silver star As the grieving mother Leans against his arm Then he stands before the family And he does his best to tell How he survived the night His best friend fell No one who Surprised he died that way. He always lived for Jesus. Oh, he used to always say, Somebody died for me before I even asked for help. Gave his life for me when I couldn't save myself. I cannot live the way I've lived. Every day's a gift to me because somebody died for me. Now I don't want to waste a moment of the time that I have left. With every breath I'm given, God help me not forget. Every day is a gift to me because
weekend, remember those that gave their lives uh, for us physically in this world, but also remember the one that gave his life that we might have eternal life. Yes, if you've never seen a more hardened soldier than Jesus Christ, I don't care what the pictures you saw, some artists that paint him as someone that's weakling and all this. Listen, he was a man's man. He was a carpenter, a tectron, they call it. It was a stone worker more than, than lumber. And uh, he was muscular. He, he had worked all his life. He'd worked 30-some years of his life before he began in the ministry. So he wasn't some, some little, you know, weakling over there. He was a man's man. But, when, but listen, more than outwardly, he was a man's man in his heart, in his spirit, in his soul. He took on the greatest enemy that we'll ever know. In Luke 9, 51, I love the way it says, It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up which means he knew everything that was about to happen to him, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face. He knew every step he took, he was about to encounter what was about to happen. When he got there, it was the greatest battle in all of history because it changed eternity for millions and millions of people. And I believe one of the greatest battles of that war that was fought was fought in Gethsemane. I always believed there could never be a Calvary without a Gethsemane. He would never have survived Calvary had he not gone through Gethsemane. And uh, Matthew chapter 26, it says it this way. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he saith unto them, my soul is exceedingly... So one time I did a study on the words that's used in Gethsemane. It, it's, it's scary. It's, it's frightening. When you read what the Greek words mean and all that he used, and, and I don't have time to do that this morning, but it's frightening the words that he used. My soul, my mind, my will, my emotion is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And so I love this Luke's account in Luke chapter 22. Luke, who was a medical doctor, one time I wrote a, a paper for the medical journal, journal in Baton Rouge. They wanted a pastor's view of the Gospels. And, and I did it out of Luke because Luke, being a medical doctor, and some of you that are medical doctors or some of you that are in the medical field, you have a different eye set than we have. You have a different set of eyes and you see and hear. Can you imagine Luke that would go with the Apostle Paul and he would watch these healings uh, take place? And when he wrote his gospel, he used phrases and medical terms that the other three gospel writers do not use because of his background. The Holy Spirit used that. And it really was amazing. And I want you to listen that when he wrote his account of Gethsemane, he says, And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed and saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And there appeared an angel uh, unto him from heaven, strengthening him. You never, you never hear of that. You know, you hear that in when he, the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, angels appeared to him at the end. But I want you to notice this. I told you he was a man's man, but he was being crushed at this moment to the point where the Bible says God dispatched angels 
the angels came. And he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as if were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Can you imagine what's taking place? We've been to Israel many times. My father-in-law, Samuel Doctorian, uh, grew up there. And so we went with him many, many times. And we've taken many groups. And we've, in the last few years, we've taken a couple trips again. And one of the highlights of the trip to, when you take to Israel is when you go to Gethsemane. And Gethsemane is on the, what's called the Mount of Olives. It was a mountain that's covered with olive trees. And on that mountain, there is a garden there called the Garden of Gethsemane. And trees, there's olive trees in that garden that are over 2,000 years old. Which means, very possibly, Jesus prayed under those olive trees. And so it's an amazing place, <clears throat> amazing place to go. And so, but what you need to understand is when you go there, you learn some things. And, and, and what you learn is that, that, it, that, that Gethsemane means, the definition of Gethsemane, it means olive press or oil press, olive press. It was a place where they took the, the olives from the trees on Mount of Olives. And they would take them to this garden called Gethsemane. It meant, it meant the press, the olive press. And an olive press was a huge stone and it would, it would crush all the, 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 the olives because olive oil was used for anointing. It was used for food. It was used for light and on and on. And uh, so they would bring it there and, and he's in Gethsemane and, and, and literally the weight of the world and the weight of, of, of the destiny of millions and millions of people is on his shoulders because he had the right to lay his life down, and he had the right to take it back up. He could say, Lord, Father, if there be another way, Lord, if there be, an, and listen, and God, and I believe the Father, and he said, but Lord, if there is no other way, and I believe with all, listen, if God had had another way, he would have picked another way. If there was another way to do it, when Jesus prayed that prayer, I'm going to tell you, there's not a father in here, if your child prayed that, if there was another way, you would do it. The Bible says, Jesus said, Father, if there be another way, you do, Lord, take this cup from me. But if there is no other way, then I will submit, I will let you fulfill John 3, 16, that you gave your only begotten son. And the Bible says, listen, he prayed, listen, the olive press, listen very carefully. When you go there, you learn something about olive press. It's a huge stone they use. But see, the olive press is a process. It's not... Just you crush it and then you guess. Listen, the olive press process. The olive press was a process. They didn't just crush it once. Guess how many times they crushed the grapes? When they crushed the grapes? Three times. They crushed the grapes three times. You learn that when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane. They crucified. Listen, they crushed the grapes three times. Look at Matthew 26. Look what happened when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Many believe it's an hour long, he prays, because he said, Could you not dwell? Could you not stay with me one hour? He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Isn't it amazing? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the, the, the olive press. They pressed every, when they pressed the olives, they did it three times. 
And here he is three times in the Garden of Gethsemane being pressed and pressed and pressed. And the Bible says he became so earnest. So, it became so, the Bible says he, he, the angels had to come to strengthen him. And then his, his sweat, many believe that, that your blood vessels can burst and to where literally you, you begin, to, and he be, his, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. As I said, I did a study on that one time. It, it, is, it is terrifying, the words that are used in the garden. And I believe with all my heart that he never would have endured Calvary had he not experienced Gethsemane. And that's why many, many times you need, a, you need a Gethsemane before you ever reach your Calvary. Because if you don't, he decided in Gethsemane that he would drink the cup that his father gave him. Fulfill John 3.16. At Calvary, when he got there, they mocked him mercilessly. They mocked him. In fact, uh, they, they, they shouted insults. And listen to this. They shouted insults that they did not know were, were true. What do you mean by that? Let me show you. Look at, look at Mark 15. Look at this. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the king of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe that we may, that, and they that were, now notice very carefully, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. Both thieves are reviling him. Both thieves are shouting at him. Both thieves are saying things to him. At the beginning, watch this. Got to remember that. And they that were crucified went, reviled him. They were saying, both of them were reviling him. But, but it's amazing in verse 31 what the Pharisees say. Likewise, the chief priests mocking said among themselves, they were mocking. But what they didn't know was what they said was absolutely true. He saved others. Himself, he cannot save. There, were, there was never a truer statement ever made than that. He saved others, but himself he cannot save. Save himself he could. In fact, Matthew chapter 26, when he's in the garden, he says, Rise, let us be going. Behold, he that is at hand doth betray me. And while he yet spoke, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, and the chief priests and elders of the people and now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, whomever I shall kiss, that's the same one, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, hail master, and kissed him. And Jesus said to his friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Behold, one of them, Peter, who were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and, st and struck the, high, the servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. I like that part right there. You know, you remember what Jesus did? He took that ear and he put it back on. Can you imagine the court case later on when they charged Peter with, mur with, with attempted murder? What did he do? Well, he cut my ear off. Well, it's, uh, I can't explain, but it's back on my head right now. It's back on. I don't know about you. If I was Jesus, I may have stuck it on his forehead. I may have stuck it, you know, somewhere else. I, I might have, you know, I don't know what I might have done. But Jesus, that, then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into the place, for all that take the sword shall perish with the sword. I like what he said. Listen to what he says. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray and say, Father, I say no. Father, I do not lay my life down. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up. Father, no. And if I say no, listen to what he said. Don't you know that I, can, that I cannot now pray to my father? 
and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Don't you know that if I wanted to get out of here, I could get out of here. I always said this, a legion is somewhere between four and 6,000 soldiers. That's what the, the Roman legion was somewhere between four and 6,000 Roman soldiers. That was a legion. So let's take the low number. Let's take the low number of 4,000. 12 legions is 48,000 angels. Anybody ever seen 48,000 angels at one time? In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings 19, God sent one angel. Syria was attacking Israel. God sent one angel. Guess how many angels that, guess how many Syrians that one angel killed in an instant? Guess, in that, oh, that, that. guess how many he killed? 185,000. Now, I like math, so I did the math. <laughs> 48,000 angels times 185,000 is just almost 9 billion people. You think Jesus could take care of himself. All he had to do was say, Father, sick him. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Father, and, and you know, you remember when they came in the garden and they said, they asked him another gospel. It says, when he says, I am he, they all fell down backwards. So honestly, he didn't even need angels, but he could have asked for them. And one of them kills 185. They could kill, listen, they could have wiped out the known world, the galaxy, and all the universe at one time. Save himself, he could. Save himself, he could. Save himself, listen, but he could not save himself and others. Save himself and save you. Save himself and save me. Save himself. Because he asked, Father, is there any other remedy? Is there any other way? Is there any other thing that could do? And I'm going to tell you, God loved his son. God loved his son. He said over and over again, the Father loves me. And the Father, but the Bible says, God so loved, not, not South Louisiana, not the good people, not the Bible Belt, not the church. God so loved the world. And so the Bible says he chose others. It was not nails that kept him on the cross. It was love that kept him on the cross. No greater love hath any man than this to lay down his life. You know, the first person to ever really realize that somebody was dying for him was one of those thieves on the cross that was railing at him. The Bible says at the beginning... Everybody, the, both of them that were, that were crucified with, was railing at him. But something happened to one of them. Something happened. I don't know if it was, I don't, when Jesus is, is speaking and responding, and, and there's seven sayings, I used to do a sermon called seven, seven his greatest pulpit was not, uh, was not the Mount of Olives. His greatest pulpit was not, you know, by the Sea of God. His greatest pulpit was the cross. Amen. And he spoke seven things from the cross and, 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 I don't know if this, if this thief is listening and somehow something happens. And something happens deep on his... Because listen, today is not about your head. Today is about your heart. Today is, is, is a heart. It's a heart issue. And somewhere this thief that's railing at him stops railing and listens to the Lord. 
He hears him say, Father, forgive them. He begins to hear all, he sees the darkness. And the Bible says, the, the, the first thief, though, continues to rail. And listen, listen what he says. He, he's missed it, too. Uh, uh, go to the next scripture, if you would. Um, Luke 23. It says, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. See, he was, he was just what the Pharisees, he was doing the same thing. He didn't understand what was taking place. He, he, because he didn't know, he cannot save himself and me. But the other one, the other thief, something happens. Maybe his mama, maybe he remembers something, his mama's voice. They used to say that the Shema, the, the Lord. Or maybe heard something in, in synagogue one time, Isaiah 53, that speaks about that the lamb would be mangled more than anything. I don't know what happened, but something happened on his heart. And he looks at this man that's being crucified with him. The other answering rebuked him, changed his whole... Saying, don't you fear God, seeing that you're in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong or amiss. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, verily I say today, you'll be with me in paradise. How, I, did he understand? I, I, no, of course he didn't under, understand everything. But something happened. He's looking at another Another uh, criminal, so to speak, hanging on a, a cross beside him, dying. And something happens in his, something happens where he sees what the Pharisees cannot see. He sees what the other thief cannot see. He sees, I believe, what even the disciples didn't see. He, he realized he was dying for him. And that he could not save himself and them. And so he says, I mean, here's a guy dying on a cross, and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'm going to tell you, get, hey, come on, give the Lord a good clap off, amen. You know, when the Apostle Paul got saved on the Damascus Road, he, 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 he preached for a little while, and, they, and then, then he went off into, for almost two or three years, he went off into Arabia, and he went off to the desert. And when he was in the desert, Jesus came and, and taught him personally. How many would like Jesus to appear to you and teach you personally, you know? But how many would like to suffer what the Apostle Paul said? No, I don't want that part. But he was in the desert, and Jesus came and personally taught the Apostle Paul. And this is what he says to him. He says, for he's, he's writing to a church in Corinth, and he tells about some of what Jesus taught him in the, in the, in the desert. He says, for I have received of the Lord... That which I have delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup which he had supped and saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I like the, the New Century translation says it this way. I want you to do this remembering me. I want you to, when you do this, I want you to do it remembering me. And um, we, we do these little cups. I know they're a, they're a hassle to open. I, how many ever had problems opening these things? You've had problems? But with COVID, we just didn't feel like everybody would feel comfortable passing a tray around, you know, and everybody touching everything and, and a drink and all that. But it does, it's supposed to open. There's a little plastic part. There's two parts. You pull the top part. You pull the little part. But I'll never forget in my, uh, in my life, 
I'll never forget in my life, whenever time I do this, when I was a teenage boy, I lived on a, at a little town called Chilhowie, Virginia. And we lived across from uh, a supermarket and some other things. And it's a very, it was a, a main highway, and so cars, you know, went very fast. I'll never forget that uh, one day I was out in the yard, and I heard, uh, uh, heard brakes hit and the squealing of wheels, and a little girl was on a bicycle out in that road, and a car hit her and killed her just like that. And, you know, some things you just never forget. And I remember running as a little teenage boy. I ran out there and, and uh, was helping, doing whatever I could do. And I, but I remember picking up the mangled bicycle. I never, I never forget that. I picked up the bicycle because years later, I'd read a story of a man named, I think it was Roger Rose, I believe his name was. But his child had gotten run over and, and he had taken that mangled bicycle and, and put it in the barn in a place they didn't use. And, and I remember his sons would write later and said, never saw my dad cry until that day. And, and then through the years, he said, every time he would, every time he would go, he would be in the barn with him and he would happen to go over there where that mangled bicycle was. It, he'd say, you'd see tears run down his, run down his face. And I don't know about you, but every time I pick up a communion, I think about that because what this is talking about is not some, you know, easy. What this is talking about is the time when our master, the greatest soldier that ever lived, faced death, hell, and the grave, and devil, and defeated him and took, took our blow for us and mangled body, you name it. And every time I pick this, it's like that bicycle in my mind. I just... I'm holding that bicycle again. I'm thinking about that somebody died for me. Somebody gave their life for me. I remember one time in 1979, I'd just taken the church over. I'd been pastor about six months. And I got a call from a, a lawyer who was a friend of mine. said, hey, uh, there's a missionary in town. And uh, would, can he come and speak at the church? I said, yeah, I'll give him five minutes. He can come and speak and share five minutes. I remember Sunday morning uh, before I got here, um, uh, my secretary called me and said, uh, Pastor, the church is half filled. I said, "What?" He said, oh, yeah, the church is half filled. So I, 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 so I quickly got back over here. I didn't used to live beside the church where I could just walk over. You know, I have to, I had to drive. You know how hard that is driving to church. And so, um, I got over here and I started talking. And, and I walked in. The church was half filled. So I started talking to people. I said, hey, "Thank, what's happening?" He said, "Oh no, we heard Richard Wormbrandt's here. We heard, we heard the the missionary Richard Wormbrandt's going to be here this morning." Well, that was pre. Uh, pre-internet um, uh, days. How many know there was a time when there was no internet? How many understand there was a time where there was no internet? And you couldn't know everything instantly. You couldn't, you couldn't call Amazon and tomorrow get your package. You had to, you know, da-da-da. And so, how many know that I, listen, I wasn't real, real smart, but I was smart enough to give him the whole service. Come on, I, gave, I, was, I was smart to give him the whole service, which I did. And he'd been a, 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 a you know, missionary, a pastor in Romania and put in prison and had suffered for God for many, many years. But he told one of the greatest stories I ever heard that morning because he had to sit down. He was older, and we had to sit him down like I sit down most of the service now. And he told the story about, he said, the greatest communion I ever had was in prison. He said, we made sort of a, uh, we say made sort of a, 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 a just a, a rudimental a, a Morse code, and we would tap on the pipes in the next cell and, and I would pastor the, the, the people of the prison. He said, and one day one of, the, one of the guys said, can we have communion? And he said, well, I don't know. I don't, uh, he, said, he said, no, can we have communion? And he said, all right, let's do it. 
And they had no bread, they had no wine, they had nothing. He said, he just began to tap, say, and I want you in your, in your heart and in your mind just to imagine that you've got the bread holding in your hand. And then when they finished that, he said, then we're going to go to the wine, we're going to do that. And I told Jasmine, I said, I think I'll do that this morning. I think I'll do it without these little things. They're so hard to do. And she threw a fit. She said, no, you're not going to do that. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. So, uh, but if you do happen to have a hard time opening yours, which I did last time, uh, just imagine it, all right? You just enjoy it, do it, all right? But I want you to take the bread out if you can do that. Ben, ben warned me, said you should do this before, before I get up here because it will make it easier. Uh, here we go, I got it. You just got to fill off the little plastic part, the top part to start with. And I know it, but it's, it's just a COVID, COVID. So. All right. Now, take that bread, and I want you to think about, you know, this, to me, it's like that mangled bicycle. Every time I come here, I just, I, I remember. And that's what Jesus said to do, that we were to remember. We were to remember. We were to remember. So, Father, I thank you for giving your son. I thank you for, Jesus, I thank you this morning for your willingness to lay down your life for, for us. That you could, you could have saved yourself. You could have saved yourself. But you chose not to save yourself so you could save me. You chose not to save yourself that you could, you could save every person in this place this morning. I thank you for that. I thank you for letting your body be mangled, beaten so bad to where you did not even look like a man, hit so many times and taken so much punishment. I thank you for Gethsemane for kneeling in that garden and saying, not my will, but thine be. If there be some other way, but if not, then I will do it. And I thank you for your willingness and your love. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Take your bread, and before you take it, break it, would you? That he broke, his body was broken for us. this morning. at home or maybe you're on the road you know maybe traveling uh, for this Memorial Day weekend and uh, you maybe you don't have anything to do communion with won't you do it like Richard Wormbrand did just in your heart in your mind if you do have something just take a piece of bread or something you can do it with that but 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 you're welcome we, we, we welcome you here we know that this is a weekend with many travel so we thank you you know I don't know how you feel about yourself if you feel worthy none of us feel worthy None of us were worthy, but he made us worthy. He took us. And I love what it says in Hebrews 2 and 9. It says it this way. It says, it says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for almost everybody. Is that what it says? He tasted death for only the good people. He tasted death for only South Louisiana. Did you know the Bible says God so loved the world? By the grace of God, he should taste death for everybody. I love Colossians 2, 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. 
which was contrary to us, he took out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now what that is not, that's not the law of Moses. That's not what he's talking about. The word ordinances was used in the Greek language of a record of debt. That's what, the, that's what it was a record of debt. In the first, the Jews believed that if you sinned, you, you got in debt to God. You owed God. And literally what that means, it was used, it was used in the Greek language of a record of debt. And I love Titus 2 and 14. Listen to this. He gave himself for us so that he might pay the price <laughs> to free us from all evil and to make us pure people and belong only to him. People who are always wanting to do good deeds. And I love this. Look, the, the, the next to last statement of the cross in, in, go to the next one, in John 19. It says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. In, 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 in Greek, it was just one word, he said. I forgot to tell something. It was just one word, he said. And guess the word, the word was an accounting term. That was used in the Greek language. And the word meant paid in full. Paid in full. Can I tell you something? When Jesus died, unlike Tom Hanks, <laughs> Jesus didn't pull us close to, our, to him and said, he never said, earn it. He pulled us close to himself and said, paid in full. Come on, everybody say amen. He said, paid in full. And now what we do, do we live good life? Do we want to every day get up and remember what he did and say, today I'm going to live? Yeah, we do that because he, we love him because he first loved us. But we don't earn anything. We don't, because he, we got to earn it because, no, no, no. He told us it's paid in full. Your debt is paid off. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced that. But listen, your debt was paid in full. I love this because when you get this last part, go ahead and open up the part with the juice in it. The Bible says that life is in the blood. And when he, he let his blood begin in Gethsemane when he fell like great drops of sweat. Then he continued on and, and you can imagine when they put the crown of thorns and the bleeding that would have occurred. Then they beat him. And yeah, I'm going to tell you, I had a, a tractor that blew a hydraulic line, and I've got all the way down the parking lot, I've got this, this you could tell where the tractor's been. When Jesus walked from where they strapped that cross beam on him, there was a, this, and there was a bloody trail that was left. He was bleeding the whole way. And then when he they nailed him to the, it wasn't just when they nailed him on the cross, but I mean, he was beaten to a pulp. And he, and, and listen, the Bible says that life is in the blood. I want you to take that cup, and I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I, Lord, we thank you that you said yes. We thank you that you said, Lord, we remember, we remember you this morning. We remember, Lord, this memorial weekend, we, we remember you. You told us, Lord, do this remembering you. And so we remember, we don't anything but just remember you. Thank you for giving your blood. Thank you for buying us. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you, Lord, that it is paid in full. Nothing I could ever do, Lord. I'll do it because of thankfulness. I'll do it because I want to do, Lord, and honor you and love you and serve you. I'll never do it to pay my debt. You paid my debt in full. 
we thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Go ahead and take up the juice. Everybody stand up this morning, would you? Way, way many years ago, there was an old course that we used to do, and Nick remembered it. It's called, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. And so I'm going to ask Nick and the band if they would, if they would, if they would go ahead. And we're going to sing this old song, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Say everything inside this hand. Oh, how He loves you and me. Come on, let's do that. Thank you, Lord. 